Welcome to the inaugural episode of Caps, Taps, and Bottles. I'm Tom, out of Santa Cruz, California. And I'm Michael, out of Astoria, Queens, New York City. And welcome to our very first episode. Woo! So, okay, a little bit of background. Who are we? We're underqualified for what we do. <laughs> we're just a couple of guys who are really enthusiastic about good beer. Yeah, well, well no, we, we were homebrew partners first. Yeah, yeah, we've been homebrewing for a while, um, but before we even started homebrewing... Um, well, before I started, we did... I guess. Yeah, okay. So, uh, both of us were in a club in college, uh, ballroom dance, and every year in the in the fall, there was a bonfire on the beach, and I had just brewed some beer for the first time. So I brought was, all of this beer. He was very excited about it. It I mean, this was, I mean, I was a, I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Recent transplant to the West Coast. Yeah. This, this whole homebrewing concept was completely new to me. And I was like, I got to share this with everyone I can because this is amazing. And so I, I think I brought, you brought like. brought at least 24 bottles of beer. Yeah. I brought like two cases of, of beer in a backpack um, to the beach. And was like, hey, everyone, try this beer. I made this. Um, and everyone was like, whoa, this is crazy. And in retrospect, it was actually not very good. But hey. uh, everyone seemed to like it. Well, so. I mean, I tasted it, and then I, I, my, my initial reaction was, I got to get on this thing. And next thing you know, I've got four mason jars of yeast cultures in my fridge, and I don't know what to do with them all. I mean, yeah, it, it, it kind of it, it just kind spirals, of spirals out, out of control. control. That's how it goes. You know. <laughs> it just it just snowballs real quickly. It really does. But but how did we get all the way from hey I made this beer from like a a mash extract liquid liquid extract kit to storing yeast cultures in our fridge? Well, like it said, it just kind of snowballs. You know how it goes. We started out we were brewing together for two and a half years or so. Something like that. Yeah. Non-stop, well, no, not non-stop. It, we took a couple of longer hiatuses. Yeah, I mean, when you're in college and then transitioning out of college, it's it's hard to maintain a rigorous, like, okay, we're going to brew on this day. and Like, we're not a brewery, right? So, Well, we kept brewing, and naturally this kind of comes with the territory, I guess, is that you if you like making beer you like drinking beer right so we'd go to local breweries we'd go to brew pubs just check out you know whatever they have like look out and see what local stuff there was what interesting and strange exotic beers that whatever or from wherever we could find i've been to my share of of beer festivals as well specialty beer bars We've 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 seen a fair amount of beer on both coasts now. Right. I mean, any any time that I can find something new, uh, a brewery I haven't been to, a beer I haven't tried, right? It's like, well, what is that? Uh, what does that taste it's, like? It's like an adventure. Every yeah, single time. It's exactly what it is. It's an adventure, and it's like a hobby, and you get beer. There's nothing not to like. Yeah. So the only real downside about this is that we would often end up in sort of double date kind of situations. <laughs> and the other half, our respective other halves, would just kind of look displeased with us as we wax poetic about the, the flight we just got at whatever brewery we happened to be at. This still happens when we're in the same town. Every single time. Yeah, it's 
I want to say that it's a bad thing, but it's also not a bad thing. I think it's good to have interests. It's good to feel strongly about a handful of things in life. For all the crap that Anna and Caitlin give us. It's our it's our shout out. I don't think they mind too much. I mean, clearly, clearly they don't mind enough to yell at us for it or anything. So <laughs> Maybe they should. I don't know. We, we, we haven't quite reached that point yet. That's the main reason why this podcast even exists. Yeah, we need some sort of outlet to talk Something... about beer. <laughs> we need a oh. healthy outlet for beer. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess the idea is, and, and you're probably better at explaining this than me. The idea is, since I am a fairly recent transplant to the East Coast, and Tom is, well, he's he's settled in on the west coast it's been a few years since we're on different coasts right now we decided that we would like to kind of share a little bit of our local beer scene with each other and with you and i'm already somewhat familiar with the west coast brew scene as i'm sure tom you are probably you're more familiar than i am with East Coast beer since you came from if here? If it were a few years ago, a few years ago, I would say, yeah, I knew what was going on. I mean, you came from the land of Trogs. Trogs? Trogs is how I would pronounce Trogs? it. I don't know. Trogs? They're in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania. We pronounce everything a little strange. They're a great brewery. Oh, no, I I, I don't. I've heard. I, I hear that it's um, I hear that it's mad elf season. Oh, uh, mad elf. Oh, be careful. So anyway... We have decided to kind of go headfirst into our local beer scenes. So that means for me, checking out beers that I can find. Ideally, a short train right away for me. But I've been looking around. I've been trying to spot places as far south as Staten Island, which <laughs> I guess Staten Island might as well be another country for me. I mean, you've, but, got, uh, you've got no shortage of breweries oh, in very close proximity. There, there's no shortage near me. I j- actually just found one that is like 10 blocks away from where I work. Yeah, Very close. 10 blocks. With, it's basically walking distance. And there's there's a couple near where I live. It's Rife. 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 Is that how we say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rife. 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 Rife <laughs> we'll with start, an F. We'll start a second Alcohol? podcast. Alcohol? Do you have um, this word? English, English as a second language for native speakers. <laughs> It does feel like that sometimes, especially when you're a few beers in. Well, speak for yourself. Hey, I'm drinking wine tonight. Okay. It's a okay. little different. So, before we delve into our respective beers, our little expedition, we should mention that because this is a beer podcast, we recommend that you always be responsible with your alcohol consumption. Seek help if you feel like you need it. Also, never, never drink and drive. Uh, always have someone to pick you up. Maybe that's a cab. Maybe that's your friend who is sober. Just be responsible. Just be safe and be responsible and enjoy your beer. So with that out of the way, we're going to talk about a little bit of, well, the style that we decided to go for for our first episode, which would be... The Extra Special Bitter. Ooh, Extra Special. I like the sound of that. Right. So I, I think the first time I ever had one of these was actually when I had just turned 21. I'm like, oh, extra special. That sounds great. And I hated it. I had no <laughs> idea what I was drinking. It was awful. Um, Didn't I think one of the first beers I ever had was an extra special bitter. 
it was I wasn't 21 yet. I tr- my dad offered me a sip of his beer. I could not have been older than 12. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 what your parents do. They let you have a sip of their beer. I didn't like it. I think it was the Red Hook ESP. Oh yeah, they've got one. Dude, I don't even think that was a thing when I was well no we were about the same age so but we didn't have that out in Pennsylvania my dad was drinking Keystone Light at a party that he let me take a sip from when I was a kid Keystone Light so, so smooth I mean, hey light beer has a place but that place is not flavor so but anyway extra special bitter so so what is it uh you're not gonna get out of this podcast without some sort of knowledge so extra special bitter right that's the same idea as just a bitter beer, uh, but stronger. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, strong, it means essentially it was strong for, I guess, I don't know when these were being made, but today's beers, things are getting a little out of hand sometimes. I'm just going to go on record and say that things are getting a little bit out of hand ABV-wise. Strong in terms of the extra special bitter, or sometimes called a strong bitter, depending on where and when you are, depends. It's about four and a half to a little bit above six percent alcohol by volume. Right. And I mean, this is this is an English style beer originally. So English style beers typically uh, lower ABV than, say, even Germany or, or really anywhere else in the world. So so we've got um, extra special bitter. It's got typically right. You've got kind of a maltier flavor, right? It's not when you think bitter nowadays, you're generally thinking like an IPA. It's not that kind of bitterness. It's it's a little more mellow, a little more subtle, not quite as many IBUs. That's international bittering units for those not in the know. It's a significantly different mouthfeel compared to the IPA. Absolutely. And that's that extra maltiness coming into play, right? That's gonna and the different grains that you're using are gonna give you that different kind of mouthfeel. And and the hops are very different from from definitely from a California IPA. The the ESB is the home of the East Kent Goldings hops. And Fuggles. These are two of my favorite hops right now. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, Extra Special Bitters. What do you mean right now? One of my favorite right styles right now. They've been one of your favorite hops. Uh, it's been like a year, a year and a half. It's I got sick of IPAs. Uh, I didn't mind the bitterness so the... much as much as that it was the overwhelming bitterness. And... I, I agree to a certain extent. Yes. Although I have different... I have, You've had yeah, longer... <laughs> we do like IPAs. It's just we had too many of them all at once back in the early 2010s. The, uh, the market is oversaturated right now, as far as I'm concerned, for IPAs. I think it's starting to equalize. I'm not sure, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, so... So extra special bitters, we've got, we each picked out one on each coast. Uh, I've got one right here in Santa Cruz that I absolutely love, and we're going to talk about the brewery, and Michael's got one right from New York he's going to talk about. Even better, I didn't even have to leave Queens. (laughs) It's a stone's throw uh, from the UN headquarters across the East River, interestingly enough, called Rockaway Brewing Company. Rockaway Brewery. Rockaway Brewing Company. Rockaway Brewing Company. Yes. <laughs> There's a distinction. These things are tricky. They're, the, they're very tricky. So what's their story? What do they do? As far as I can gather from these guys, let me just tell you, I don't know a lot about them. I'm still 
trying to get into the scene here in New York. I'm doing everything I can. I'm listening. I put my ear to the ground. I'm I'm on the Facebook pages. I'm trying all the beers I can. I'm hitting up my local bottle shops. I actually just found one on the Upper East Side where I bought my first icebox. Yo, other day. I really want to try an icebox. So, one of the first things that struck me about Rockway Brewing Company is how just absolutely innocuous it looked. It's in the middle of. It's kind of industrial, like mid, mid, mid density industrial. It looks unassuming. It's small. You 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 have a door and you have a like a like a garage door type rolling metal gates. And I was fortunate enough to walk past this place when they had that gate garage door open, and I could get a glimpse of all their fermentation tanks. And that's always incredibly gratifying to me when I can see a brewery and they have their tanks just on display right there for the whole world to see that will never get old for me yeah it's kind of like uh, how do you describe it's it's like peeking behind the curtain just a little bit like you remember that there is a process that beer doesn't just come from nowhere there's there's somebody working on it right it's you're, you're lifting the curtain just enough to know like oh the magic happens here yeah and and you can also fantasize about doing it yourself yeah it's kind of kind of how I got started homebrewing, actually. Right, I went to. Well, speaking actually of that, the next thing I noticed when I walked into this place to pick up my tiny little four pack of extra special bitter, which is by the way their flagship beer. The next thing I noticed is I walked in there. Instantly, I was hit by the smell of homebrew. It smells. Mm. It smells like a homebrew operation in there. I love it. Just malt, just and malt and yeast and, and cleaning products. Oh, and so and you, you might hear this and be like, "Oh, that's gross!" Like, what are you talking about? But but really, like, if you've homebrewed, I, th- I think you would know instantly how how much that is uh, a nostalgic experience. Even it's like it's like going back to your tiny little studio garage apartment. <laughs> that's where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, tell us a little bit more about Eastcliff then, since since I've given you everything I can about Rockaway. Right. So so it's in Santa Cruz. Right. Uh, Eastcliff Brewing Company. Right. Eastcliff, Westcliff. There's two two main uh, coastal streets through Santa Cruz. Eastcliff is on the other side of town, uh, kind of kind of on the east side of Santa Cruz, right on the edge of Capitola, which is a neighboring town. Eastcliff Brewing is right there, and it's in this tiny little shopping plaza right next to, like, this uh, nice Mexican bakery that has these amazing tamales. Uh, and it's it's this really, like, unassuming, just, like, feels like you're kind of stepping into a restaurant in suburbia until you get right inside. And then it's like, oh, okay, so you've got these two or three big, long communal tables, a bunch of uh, smaller tables, and... Wraparound bar, one TV, you can see all the brew tanks in the back, and there's like a playpen for kids to one side, and there's a bunch of board games against one wall. So they really took the whole English idea and said, okay, this is going to be an English-style pub. English beer, English pub. All right. My understanding, I've never been to England, but my understanding of an English pub is this is a community hangout spot. This is a family-oriented place. Yes, you can grab a pint here. 
but this is also just a place where people can hang out. So that's the that's exactly the vibe I get the moment I walk in the door. Tell us uh, about about their main. I don't really think I'd call it a gimmick exactly, but I mean English style beer means you're gonna do everything the English way, right? So that also generally means cask ales, right? You're you're not going to force carbonate any of your beer. You're gonna let it build up carbonation in the cask, uh, have it be naturally carbonated. So it's not gonna be as aggressively um, bubbly. It's it's gonna be a lot more mellow. And then alongside that, right, the English style of brewing beer is already a little bit more mellow than anyone else, right? So lower ABV. So it's it's really about relaxing and just having a good time. You're not trying to get wasted. You're not trying to drink the the new hip thing, right? You're just trying to relax. That's that's the whole idea. And that doesn't mean that you have plain boring beer. We're gonna get there. Oh, means... speaking of the beer, Tom. Just, this is kind of the intersection of gimmick and beer. Tell us about the beer engines. Right. So so right, they're cask ales, right? They're loaded into firkins, right? So uh, when you order a pint, right, they pull the glass up to the firkin and they're, they hand pull it, right? So they it's not like a tap, right? It looks like a tap, but they pull it down. Some beer comes up. They have to let it go back up, pull back down again, and then up and down. And it's like this lever mechanism, right? They're mechanically pulling the beer out of the cask. It doesn't fall through. It doesn't get pushed through, right? They have well, it does get pushed through, but it's it's them actively pushing it by pulling it, if that makes sense. Okay, I'm kind of a sucker for buzzwords when it comes to tasting notes. So if my descriptions sound a little strange, if you think I'm a weird dude, he is. That's totally understandable. Uh, you should see me drinking coffee <laughs> or wine, right? It gets really wild. With beer, not as much, but here we go. So, it's an extra special bitter. So, there's some things to expect going in, right? I'm not expecting um, an overwhelming anything, really. Um, I'm expecting this nice, mild sweetness. I'm expecting a little bit of bitterness, maybe some earthiness. And this is kind of exactly what I got. So, moment I get the beer, I smell it, right? It's got a little bit of a head. That's the perfect time to smell it. You want to get all of that aroma right as it's it's got a little bit of a head. And so that was exactly the right kind of earthiness. Uh, maybe slightly herbal, maybe. And when I say herbal, I really mean vegetal. Like I'm walking through a meadow um, that's just been like dug through a little bit. I'm kind of imagining like around one of the meadows right off of um, Empire Grade in Santa Cruz. After the rain, the way you describe that to me. Yeah, like Wilder Ranch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, yeah, that's exactly what I'd say. Which is really cool, right? You can kind of get a sense of the terroir of Santa Cruz uh, from an English-style beer brewed in Santa Cruz. That's so weird, but... it's To me, it's one of the interesting things about different beers, local beers, is you get kind of... You get a flavor. It's in the... Very literal sense, it is a local flavor. Absolutely. I mean, every brewer is going to put their hand in whatever beer that they're making, and the air from the area and the water from the area are going to interact with everything, and the yeast are going to culture differently wherever you're at. No matter what grains you're using, it's going to be a little different. 
enough that that's going to be its own kind of beer. And that's honestly what I find so magical about the, the this explosion we've had of small breweries we've had the past decade or so is that we see all this variety and it's it's incredible that you can see like every town seems to have their own little brewery. It's very much like East Cliff. It's become a local hangout spot. Right. I mean there's there's that side of it. There's also just the there seems to always be room for more beer, right? We've had tons of breweries just explode into existence, and they're still popping up. It it doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing down, really. I actually have a feeling that, and I've been reading some articles about this, actually, that smaller will be bigger very soon. And, and, and it's, it's already... I, I tend to agree. I would say, at least, kind of happened. Absolutely. And, and part of that's going to be... And and this is not an not a slight towards older generations, but I mean it's the whole millennials are killing Applebee's kind of thing. We're seeking unique experiences. We want to know what this person can do to curate an experience for me. So I don't want Budweiser to give me generic beer that is going to be uninteresting and, and very straightforward. I want someone to challenge me. I want someone to say, "Hey, this is what we think an IPA is supposed to be. This is what we think." Uh, a sour beer looks like it's not going to be what you're used to this is how we think an extra special bitter should be right so to get back on track actually let, let's let me steal that track a little bit and just i'd like to just describe a little bit about my beer real quick sure so we'll do aroma aroma so i was earthy and well in terms of the aroma i i kind of got something a little bit different from mine I I see the earthiness coming through, but for me that comes from like a nice like in terms of ESBs I've had, this is one of the most hop forward that I've ever had. Hmm. But then again, I think that kind of provides something very similar to what you're describing. I wouldn't quite describe it exactly the same way, but I'd describe it more as Less so walking through an open meadow, more walking through a park after it has just rained. Ah, so maybe like petrichor and and like uh, that kind of graphite slate kind of smell? Kind of. Less, not like, less the graphite, more more the, the, the smell of petrichor mixed with damp leaves damp leaves i like that so it's very autumnal it's very autumnal beer and it has the mouthfeel to go with it um, to be honest with you ah it's a very nice smooth it's got one of the nicest mouthfeels that i have ever had of any beer that i've tried since coming to new york and i've been going out of my way to try as many interesting beers that i have and this one feels amazing nice and smooth i have seen I've seen like a mixed consensus online about the body of this beer itself but I feel like it's one of the most full-bodied beers that I have had in a very long time it's it's the perfect fall beer for me it's comforting it's it feels nice to drink it's smooth it's hop forward but not too much so I I feel like you're going to be much more technical in your beer descriptions. I'm going to be I'm going to be 
Mr. <laughs> you describe what you feel. <laughs> You're going to be describing the technical aspects, and I'm going to be just sitting here going in the corner. Mm-hmm. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> That's what really matters, though, right? Like, did you enjoy drinking it? Did it remind you of anything? What, what was your experience, right? So, like, I, yeah, tasting notes are great, right? They can give you an idea of what something might taste like, but what does it mean to you, right? Can you create a story from it? That's what you really want. So. Like, I picture this beer. I, I'm, I'm walking th- across in, in a park. It's... A nice crisp fall day. Perhaps there's a little bit of sun out. It's just it has just rained the night before. The air is a little heavy. I saw the sun and I decided, all right, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I don't know when the sun's going to come out again. And yeah, it's it's honestly, I see that sounds beautiful. I feel like I'm kind of rambling right now, but honestly, that's how I feel about this one. Yeah, I mean. That's what you should feel. It also kicks in at a <laughs> somewhat substantial 6.4% ABV, so it's got that going yeah, for that's, it, too. Yeah, that's not insignificant. That's a solid beer. It's a little a little strong, actually, for an ESB. It is a little bit on the strong side, but but you don't notice it when you drink it. It and doesn't probably, taste very strong. If I had to guess, right, I haven't had this one. It's probably because you've got enough malt character to balance that out. I, yeah, it has. Oh, in spades, it's very malty. In the tasting wheel, I hit this one a four on the malty little the little dot ah. on my tasting wheel. See, I didn't go that high with mine. I only went to a three, mm. which is interesting. But um, I also felt like mine had a decent amount of body to it. Um, I mean, I'm at five point seven percent ABV. I gave mine a four. On the I, I only gave it a three there, so I, I'm kind of like a medium kind of guy. This no, nothing about my beer was overwhelmingly anything, right? The roundabout uh, was. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. N- uh, nothing of this about this beer is overwhelming for me. These action we have for reference for our listeners been using a small little beer tasting journal from a company based out of uh, Portland, Oregon, because of course that's where they're from. We're no way endorsed by them, but if they're listening, um, drop us a line. I'm more than uh, willing. So I don't know if it really uh, means much of anything, but I like the way the flavor wheel is set up. There's this, it's little flavor with the different types of or aspects of a flavor profile you might find. And interestingly enough, body and malty are kind of on opposite sides of the wheel. I, I think they're more just and like don't, different things. I think I think it's just different aspects it's kind of arbitrary in us but 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 at the same time i have been noticing that certain beers certain styles uh, they match up a certain way i've I've been noticing patterns on with certain styles and beers that have peaks going one way or the other seem to cancel each other out yep or complement each other in, in an interesting kind of way and that's kind of how this works for me or maybe it's it's just like part and parcel for each other it's got a very nice body to it and it's possibly a result or goes hand in hand with that very nice malty character and probably also the amount of alcohol which is its own point but you're not necessarily going to taste the alcohol with it being there no it's um, it definitely we could get into these point. technical aspects a lot if we wanted to it 
there's definitely a lot of science about it and there's definitely ways to say like okay to say it has more body means these things but uh maybe that's getting into the weeds a little bit just a little bit (laughs) um i think one more point i'd like to make though is uh these these flavor wheels don't really mean much from one person to the next they really only mean something within one person because everyone's going to taste things a little differently. So what I think my beer tastes like um, on a flavor wheel versus what Michael thinks his beer tastes like on a flavor wheel can't really be compared. We could taste the same beer and end up with two completely different flavor wheels. And that's why I recommend that if you like what you're hearing, you go out and try these places for yourself. Try these places yourself. Get your own tasting journal from 33 Books. Taste a lot of different beers. See what We're your flavor wheels look like. Just being clear. We're not sponsored, but it's a really cool concept. And keeping a it tasting really journal cool. will let you discover what kinds of flavors you like, uh, what kinds of combinations you might be able to come up with that you've never had. And it's also just a great thing to do if you are compulsive about beer like I am. And me too. So, uh, <laughs> the verdict, Tom, would you recommend this one to anyone to drink? Absolutely. I didn't even get to finish describing mine because you got so excited about yours. Oh. <laughs> oh I talked my about bad. my aroma, sorry. and that was it. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. What would you describe as the high points of yours? All right. So, it's really the whole experience. Right? You start with that nice, subtle, earthy aroma, right? I described that as walking through a meadow or like some freshly tilled farmland or something. You look at the beer, you see it's got this golden brown hue, not quite, not very dark, right? It's golden brown. Little darker than honey, um, but not, not like a nut brown, if that's clear. So you take a sip of it. First thing you notice, ooh, this is really creamy. Nice, silky mouthfeel. Part of that's gonna be you don't have a ton of carbonation. So, because it's a, a cask ale, it's gonna be lower carbonation, so it's gonna be silkier mouthfeel. But part of that's also gonna be, it's not aggressively hopped, right? We've got 33 IBUs. That's not insubstantial, but that's not too much. And then we've also got these nice multi grains going into it. Uh, I want to say they use Maris Otter. That would be a very safe bet considering the style and just the British thing they have going. Yeah, I mean, that that's a quintessential British malt. So it would make sense to use that. So... Between that and what I assume are Fuggles and East Kent Goldings hops, right? You get this malty, nutty flavor that hits you immediately um, and then shifts right back. I would back. be surprised if any extra special I mean, beer, beer did not use those hops. They're, one, traditionally those are hops you would use with it. And two, they just make perfect sense with what you've got because... Absolutely, yes. You start with this nice, malty, little sweet, um, kind of nutty flavor um, that fades into fresh dirt. Now, that might sound gross, but but I really mean like you get that earthiness just like all throughout your mouth. It goes back to what to what I had said earlier, that nice petrichor aroma. Yeah, exactly like that. Not quite petrichor for this one, but that idea. And yeah. it's not overwhelming, right? It's it's got some body to it, but it's still very refreshing. So I take a sip of this and I'm like, "Oh. Okay. I'm at home." Right? I'm, I'm relaxed. That's the idea here. And really, that's what's most important, is how the beer makes you feel when you taste it, whether you like it or not. It boils really, all that's all it boils down to. It doesn't matter what you're drinking as long as you like it. Absolutely. And I really like this one. I will, I will talk oh, about yeah. East Cliff Brewing Company forever and ever and ever and ever. They're doing amazing stuff here in Santa Cruz. 
No one's doing anything like what they're doing over here. If you're anywhere nearby, if you're stopping through while you're on vacation, check them out. Definitely worth a visit. As for Rockway Brewing Company, I can't say that I've had very much of anything else by them. I did recently. I acquired an IPA of theirs, which I liked very much. It was a very juicy, tropical IPA and a nice departure from the West Coast IPAs that I'm uh, used to. (laughs) So I've begun delving a little bit more into their beer catalog. And from what I understand, they are still relatively small and they're very proud of their roots in home brewing. And it shows to me in in their tap room, especially, and in their end of product, which I liked very much. This original ESB, it's very cloudy, which I imagine is fairly common for the ESB style. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I didn't pay attention too much to cloudiness, uh, which... I feel like every beer I've had at East Cliff was actually somewhat cloudy, or if that's... I don't know. Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I haven't thought too much about that. Neither would I. Hmm. It's, we're not exactly the most qualified. (laughs) Absolutely. But, you know, who knows? We're really just here to enjoy the beer and that we started off initially as home brewers. And Rockaway Brewing reminds me very much. They remind me, their end product reminds me of something that I would, as a home brewer, aspire to create. Like, if I were a homebrew turned professional, I would be incredibly proud of what I'd made, incredibly happy with what I'd made, and just say, this is the beer that's going to carry us to the big time. Would you say maybe that it's a brewer's beer then? Like, like a, like a comedian can be a comedian's comedian? Because that's the danger, right? It is the danger, but I think it's still approachable as... This is their flagship beer. I mean, it's no, like, victory at sea, but I managed to, like, share a can with my girlfriend, and she enjoys beer well enough. We do have different tastes. She's more into the dark beers than I am, but she liked this one, and I don't know. I feel like she has more specific tastes than I do. This beer runs the risk of being a brewer's beer, but it's got all the right components, a nice mouthfeel, approachable flavor doesn't go insane with with the hops, which is a major pet peeve of mine. And it's just nice. It's a nice, clean beer. That's all it needed to be, and it's wonderful for it. That's really, I think that's what an extra special bitter is all about. So that sounds great to me. Like, if you've sold it to me. I've never had it. You've sold it to me. You've had both of these beers, though. So so you could actually oh, yeah, kind of compare. It's been I, a while, though. I could kind of compare them. But it's been a long time since I've actually even been to East Cliff Brewing, even before I left to the East Coast. I do remember that the Roundabout ESB is my second favorite beer there at East Cliff. My favorite, of course, being their their IPA, which absolutely changed my life. Yeah, that's it's very much an English-style IPA, not, not the California-style IPA. Oh, <laughs> I'm so tired of those. No offense intended towards anyone who likes California IPAs. They're tasty. We've just had a lot of them. I like a good California IPA. I like them, but it's not that they're all bad. It's just that they've got to distinguish themselves to me now. It's, it's, 
there's such a thing as too much of a good thing is, right. is what it is for me. All right. I think that might. Yeah. Does that is that we'll it? Did off. we do it? We'll get okay. better at this as we go along, I'm sure. Okay. Uh so our credits um as they are this podcast is edited by me, Michael. Uh I'm Tom Rohr. I talked about beer a bit here. Once again, Michael, I also talked about beer. This has been co-written by the both of us. All right, I got a writing credit. I'm a writer. So yeah, so this has, this been, has been wait oh caps wait. Do you want to try it again? We should reverse it for the outro, right? We totally should. Yeah, that's hilarious. So thank you for listening. This has been first episode of Caps, Taps, and Bottles. This is Michael. I'm Tom. Signing off until next time.